All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Atkins Family Podcast. I am your host, Benjamin Atkins, and I'm accompanied by my lovely wife, Takia Atkins. And today, Takia, <clears throat> what shall we be talking about? Oh, we're going to be talking about divorce today. All right, talking about divorce, so. Divorce is a big topic. So what what really got this on your mind lately? Well, I mean, I've been seeing a lot of uh a lot of different divorces. Uh a lot of different families having to deal with uh what that looks like and um I felt like this is something we should talk about since we talk about everything as far as family and relationships. Um not now i don't want to i guess in the beginning of the conversation i just want to strictly talk about it in reference to what we believe about it based on also what we believe the bible says about it so like not coming from the standpoint at first of the fact that we are a married couple like we're together we're married but first just simply coming from i guess like a believer standpoint what we believe about divorce okay so what do we believe about divorce mm, i don't know what you believe i believe that <laughs> uh god hates divorce yeah i believe that too and i believe that uh so, but, okay all right, all right yeah i'm glad you said that all right so when you say god hates divorce because god hates a lot of things mm -hmm. and we do a lot of things god hates sin in general yeah so God hates divorce. You said that for a reason. Why did you say that specifically? Because I think people will quickly go for the, what I believe about divorce is the out that the Bible says we have. Instead of going for that, God hates divorce. Like they go for the out. They go for the, this is, I believe the one thing that puts a condition on marriage instead of the one thing that says hey that little highlighter there's not really supposed to be any conditions here because god hates divorce well i'm glad you mentioned that because uh and i'll let you flesh it out but i think you're going towards the the sentiment that i believe a lot of people miss about divorce and about the fact that yes there are certain things that the bible gives divorce or gives uh what the kid like the kid named it as an out and we'll just use that for the simplest way of talking about it. But the Bible does give believers an out in marriage. And what is that out, Takiyah? Um, If there, I believe it's only in the case of adultery. And abandonment. Okay. Okay. Well, two things. Adultery and abandonment. Two A's. Adultery and abandonment. And like Takiyah said, people jump straight to those. <laughs> Right, but then they tend to forget about the God hates divorce part. Yeah. So why is it so important to remember that in light of everything else that the Bible says about the ending of a marriage? Um, I think because when I look at God's emotions, God's emotions are pure. It's not full of the things that that like we most of the time we have like I'm mad because you did something to me. It's gonna hurt me. Um or I hate something because it hurt me. Whereas God is like, 
I understand that if God doesn't like something, especially if it has to do with us or for us, it's usually because uh, the impact of it is going to be devastating. So I know it's like strong to say like God hates divorce, but when you look at the fact that most of the stuff that God hates and he lets us know he hates it, it usually has strong negative impacts on us in the like period. So that's why I pulled that, I guess. On us, when you, when you say us, who is us? So like humanity. Humanity as a whole. Yeah, humanity as a whole. I'm glad you said that because just because you're not a believer, don't believe yeah, the Bible no. don't apply to you. <laughs> yeah, it's still, it's humanity as a whole. The Bible is true. He didn't say I hate Christian divorces. He said it, I hate divorce. Like, but yeah, they, that impact of divorce. Now, do you believe that some people actually understand that impact mm-hmm. and they just go along with it anyway? Because like that, like you said, that pain that they're going to feel with sticking it out in the marriage and actually going through those those situations is something that they just don't want to deal with. So they just go ahead and get the divorce because it seems like the easier option in the short run and some people will say even in the long run. I think people who, who people who speak like that are or I do believe that people think like that. And I also believe that you know, it takes a lot of discipline to be a Christian. It takes a lot of discipline to be the thing that we say we're going to be. Yeah. I so I think that's where we get lost. Cause a lot of people, that statement, what you said is probably what most people are saying. And all it's showing is that you lack discipline. Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> quite frankly, that's simply what it, what it comes down to. But at the same time, do you think that there are people that will say, hey, you don't know my situation, right? You know, different situations call for different things. And then when it comes to the the idea of discipline, mm-hmm. lack of discipline, I guess anybody can lack discipline. But at what point do you say, like, all right, this isn't just a lack of discipline. It's a simply situation or uh, circumstances that most of, if not all people, would succumb to including Christians. You know, and it's it's crazy you say that because it made me think of something, a clip I just saw where the person was like, you know, raise your hand if you're, you've are you gotten a divorce and you're still a Christian. Um, so back to the discipline, you know, I think, <clears throat> how do I say it? I think it's not just discipline. I think, okay, so bringing it all together. He said, raise your hand if, you, if you're still a Christian and you've been divorced. You know, I think the reason why he asked that is the same reason why we kind of have to have this discussion. Because for me, I really am going to be questioning if you believe in God and the power of his love if you got a divorce. And it's funny that when this this pastor was you know, engaging with his congregation, he's going through a divorce. One of the questions he asked was, how many of you have gone through, gone through a divorce and you're still a Christian? And it's like, you know, I know he was doing that to prove, like, you can go through a divorce and still be a Christian, but the only reason why a person would think a divorce would, for me, the only reason why I would kind of question your Christianity if you went through a divorce 
is because it's like marriage is built on it's supposed to mirror Christ's relationship with the church. And that's the enduring forever pursuing forever. I mean like chance after chance type relationship. So I don't know. I just kind of take that personal. Cause it's like, dang, like take it personal in the sense of like, how can I say I believe in this God who gives me chance after chance? It's, Oh man, good scripture. It's, it's almost like um, the parable of the dude who was in debt. And he gets his debt wiped, but he goes back and he charges people. And the king finds out because he was in, the king finds out and he gets punished or something like that. But you remember that parable? Like, yeah, no, it's not almost like that's exactly what yeah, that parable was talking yeah, about. So. We were, us as believers, <laughs> are the person that was in debt yeah. and had our debt wiped. Yeah. Our debt was wiped by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So we forgive because we've been forgiven much. Yeah. <laughs> in marriage, we forgive because we've been forgiven much. Yeah. Now, in the case of marriage and divorce do you think that the underlying root for divorces is a level of unforgiveness oh absolutely um well it doesn't always have to be because some divorces i guess are very peaceful um an unwillingness to sometimes just an unwillingness to continue like someone has decided i no longer want to do this anymore so they no longer want to do it does that mean that they no longer love uh, when they say I no longer want to do this anymore, I think that is a, a, a blatant, my will over God's hmm. like, yeah, I don't even think, I think if a person is saying that it really has nothing to do with like love or what they feel at that, like that maybe how they're going to act towards that person. It has, it, that's a rebellion towards God. Like that ain't even got nothing, probably has nothing to do with the person, with the marriage. You're probably really just looking at a person who never, who got married and was like, yeah, that's cool. But I want to try something else. Like, Even for somebody who got married and was genuinely under the assumption that they were going to do this for the rest of their lives. They had those plans. Mm-hmm. They're willing to stick it out. They stuck it out for many years. Maybe mm-hmm. this person mm-hmm. have been going through issues with their spouse five, ten, fifteen years, and at the twentieth, thirtieth year, they decided that yeah, I can no longer do this, not doing this anymore. Because, and I think here's the thing: it really shows what we're motivated by. Because most of the time, when these divorces are happening now, the kids are gone. Yeah, a lot of people do decide to get divorced after the kids are gone. (laughs) So the motivation was wrong all along. There was never really a, I believe, and I think this is what it really comes down to. I believe what God says about marriage. And if I believe what God says about marriage, it's almost like if somebody gives you something and says, hey, handle this with care, like they give you instructions which is what most of our devices and different things come with. If you put this in water, this is going to happen. If you do this, this is going to happen. It's almost like God giving us this beautiful gift and saying like, you know, if you do this, i.e. divorce, this is, this is going to happen. And we just saying like, yeah, I don't really, I, I mean, at, at once it was something I believe that was treasured. But over time, it just becomes like something else that you got that you don't really you're not really interested 
in anymore, which shows you're probably interested in it in the first place for the wrong reasons or lack of understanding. Hmm. Yeah, I know for me, uh, I think lack of understanding is like the biggest thing. Yeah. And then, but over time, though, I do believe that couples or some couples may gain a greater understanding for the severity of divorce and the sanctity of marriage. Yeah. But there may be couples who don't. I say that all to say, I know previously in our conversation, you stated that the, uh, oh man, I can't even specifically remember, but just like a couple minutes ago, you said that people who divorce, they may have got into it for the wrong reasons because of, and that's evident by the fact that a lot of people wait for kids the kids to leave, to yeah. leave the house mm-hmm, mm-hmm. before they divorce. Yeah. So in that situation, of course, they see the effects of divorce on yeah. their children. Yeah. But and, not themselves. But not themselves. <laughs> and that's the crazy thing. Like you. Yeah, that's that's. Yeah. I ain't even never think about that. But yeah, they missing out the. I think we, and here's the thing, but don't we do that with all sin? We try to limit the damage it's going to cause. Like, yeah, that I'm going to do that. Yeah. That was going to be a point I was <laughs> yeah. going to get to. <laughs> I'm sorry. Because, you know, like divorce, right? That's <laughs> very serious thing. But yeah. like I said, God hates all sin. So yeah. this can't even stem into a bigger conversation of how we just handle our walk with Christ yeah, in general. Exactly. Yeah. Every day. Mm-hmm. But in, specifically in terms of in uh, terms of divorce, right? One of those ways to mitigate the effects of sin mm-hmm. is to simply get divorced after the children leave the household. Yep. But in that case, you said that when people think like that, one, they may may have gotten to the marriage for the wrong reasons, evident due to the fact that they waited yeah. for the divorce, and then two, it's also just a, a simple thing that. A lot of us Christians do. I would say all Christians have fallen uh, have fallen guilty to this, of trying to limit the effects of sin in everything we do, but yeah. yet still going to partake in that sin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. At a convenient time for us, that's basically what what's happening. And but also, I think it's a it's a, and this goes back to that pastor who made that statement. It's a the church in some areas, I guess, has shifted its view. And so people are acting accordingly. Yeah, I will say the church has gotten much more liberal on divorce and what uh, constitutes or are biblical grounds for divorce. Yeah. Or in some cases, we simply just ignore what the biblical grounds are. <laughs> yeah, we don't care. And we start to get into <laughs> pragmatism where we say, hey, you know, X, Y, and Z was going yeah. on. You know, that's not healthy for us. That's not what God wants for me. Yeah. That's not what a marriage should be. Yeah. So we ended it there yeah. because that's what we thought we should do. Yeah. You know, and, and right now we're talking in specifically cases that aren't laid out explicitly in the Bible. Right? Yeah. We're not talking about infidelity. Yeah. We're not talking about abandonment. We're talking about all the other cases that are much more complicated to navigate in our eyes, at least, because the Bible yeah. has been clear on it. Mm-hmm. But in those cases, these are are some of the things that we uh, garner up in in our minds to justify the divorce. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what would you say to someone who's going through a situation like that where there's not the infidelity, there's not the abandonment, right? Mm -hmm. And we're not even going to get into all the other things that that Mm -hmm. require deep, deep theological discussion. Yeah. Like 
abuse yeah. in the household, things of those nature, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. But we're just talking about the we fell out of love, the we just can't we get along, apart. the we grew apart. I wasn't happy. The I wasn't happy. There were mutual issues within the relationship that we both thought were irreconcilable. Yeah. This is language of the court, not of the yeah. Bible or yep. the church, mm-hmm. right? We had to split for irreconcilable differences, mm-hmm. things of those nature. We're talking about situations of divorce in that case. Yeah. Uh, um, <clears throat> what would I Did you say what, what would I say? Yeah. What would you say <clears throat> to someone who's mulling the divorce or who I has mean, already gotten the divorce? I think I know what you was. That is somebody no, you already got divorced. If you already got divorced, I'm gonna to tell you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like if you want to be married again, you gotta go back to the other person, make it work. Because here's the thing, and as much as we don't like science, you know, I guess we don't think it should be in the conversation or just different things. I mean, even psychology shows that you get a one divorce, you are like already fifty percent more likely to get divorced again if you get remarried again and it just goes higher and higher. Um, that person who who's mulling it over, I think um, I've been there. I understand what, what that is. Um, and I would say to that person, um, you, you have a, you have a fundamental, fundamental misunderstanding of marriage. Like you don't understand the purpose of marriage. If you can, in an instance, dumb it down to, and I, and I don't think you're doing it on purpose. I didn't do it on purpose when I was doing it. You really don't understand how the marriage is supposed to be that, that, uh, the example, especially when you're a Christian, like it's supposed to be that example. So I do believe that, um, I heard this one pastor said it like this, um, everybody that you stood in front of and said, I do. When you're going to get a divorce, you need to go gather all them back and tell them I don't because you gave your word. That's the first thing you gave your word. Um, integrity is huge. You're breaking your word. You literally stood there and said, so death do his part. So if, if we just going off what you said, you breaking your word. Um, That's the first thing. Is that the type? Of, and I think that's the thing, too. Like, I've had to think about. All of this is that the type of person you want to be like, because especially if again, if you are not in in the qualifications that the Bible has, um, <clears throat> you you are and it's dangerous. You stepping into really just your own will. Your own ideas are become the focal point of how you live. That's a I don't want to be there. <laughs> Yeah, I like to call it theological gymnastics. Someone yeah. has to, someone makes a decision. And a lot of times it's a decision that we know is wrong, mm-hmm. but we've made it. Now we have to sit here and justify or rationalize the decision we made against the backdrop of the yeah. Holy Scriptures. And you get yourself into a situation where you got to do theological gymnastics, mm-hmm. where you got to start pairing scriptures together mm-hmm. start omitting scriptures mm-hmm. but god loves me you gotta he, start reinterpreting scriptures he, he, he came that i might have life and life more abundantly or you just got outright deflection right where <laughs> when someone presents something you just bring up something else that yeah. doesn't actually engage with the argument yeah. that the person's stating yeah so there's a lot of implications that come along with 
getting a divorce on a non-biblical grounds. But also, I think it'd be interesting to explore. You also have that opinion, not necessarily to the to the degree that you do when someone does it unbiblically, mm-hmm. but even when someone gets divorced for biblical grounds, mm-hmm. grounds that are laid out in the Bible, mm-hmm. you have an interesting standpoint on that. Oh, I mean, I think for me, like I said, you know, I've I've been in that place of contemplating divorce and I'm just somebody that likes to read different uh, translations. And I remember this particular translate. I don't remember which one it was, but it was it had to be between contemporary English, English standard version uh, where it said um, they were the Pharisees were coming up to Jesus, asking him about divorce. And he was like, yes. I told Moses to give you guys basically the amendment on marriage that you can get a divorce if there's been um, adultery or abandonment. But that was just because of the hardening of your heart. So he said, because of the hardening of your hearts, I let Moses make that change. And I think for me, it was like, oh, so it's my fault. I think that's the way I took it was like, so you God wasn't <laughs> I thought he was empathizing with people. I thought he was like, yeah, I'm on your side. No, he's like cuz you, I know you probably can't get over it. I know you probably won't be able to handle all the emotions that come with that. I know you putting it back on that person to me and it was like because I took it, I didn't take it like, oh, he's putting it back on us because we're so bad. I think it's really like, I took it as, again, the way I see God and how he speaks to us, I, I always take it from like a protective father standpoint. So if my protective father is saying you, it's because of you that this has to happen, um, I'm going to look at it like, well, what about me is the causing is making is making a death have have to happen because I feel like that's what divorce is. Like what what part of me is is saying that? And um, when I started to look at what part of me that was, I was like, yeah, he was right. Like, that's you. That's your unforgiveness. That's your issues. That's your your conditions on love. I don't have those. Your inability to love like me. Yeah, literally. Or your unwillingness to love like me. There we me. go. Unwillingness to, because it's possible we just be like, yeah. Because there are a bunch of you people crazy. who done it. You think everybody who been married fifty years who died together <laughs> didn't have problems? Man, I'm on that bet. They had the most out of all of us. Yeah. They just decided not to yeah. get divorced. You're gonna have. You're gonna have it. Like, and I think for me. I I do speak with the luxury of getting to a place uh, career-wise that has really, really helped me understand love on, on a, in like a whole new way where it's like, so I'm, I work with uh, some of anybody, everybody. I work at a wellness center. Anybody can come in. Mostly it's um, addicts and, and uh, mental health patients. But... Uh, being there every day, serving them lunch, and and just 
I guess, really just loving on people, people who don't look like you, don't smell like you, don't think like you, don't talk like you. Some of them are not, you know, taking their medication, being in that space and loving like because I'm in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have to approach this as if, you know. Like, I don't know. I don't even have to go into, you know, like sometimes when we're dealing with homeless people, we like got to prepare ourselves. I don't, I don't even have to do that when it comes to that job. The way I see it is I'm dealing with humans and these humans, I deserve, uh, respect from me. And so when I started operating from that place, um, I kind of had to think like, this is how God sees them. You know, like we see them as these people that are on the streets begging or whatever. And God sees them like they're his children. And then I'm like, I'm handing out these plates and I'm nice to them. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about how people will say like, yeah, y'all be nice to people like outside your house. And you're like mean to the people in your house. So I started to think about our relationship and my ability to take what I do at work and bring it home in the sense of loving any and everybody. Amen. And uh, when I started to think about that, it really opened my eyes to how much God loves us. So when you when I paired that together with with the love that marriage is supposed to have, because it's supposed to be the same love that God has for us, it's like, yeah, I don't really see that being something that I can. Like I believe it's something that should be broken. I put it like that. You believe it's? Well, I'm sorry. I don't believe it's something that should be broken. Like I believe it's something that should be protected at all costs. Oh, uh, marriage? Yes. Oh yeah, most definitely. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's evident in the Bible that that was God's original design. I mean, mm-hmm. going back to that that scripture about you know, I gave you that ability to get a divorce in those cases due to the hardness of your hearts. Yeah. I think that's ultimately where the rubber meets the road. Mm. Yeah. It requires a deep self-reflection on why am I getting divorced and having that understanding that I, I while, may, while I may not be standing in the case of the divorce of, uh, you know, infidelity and abandonment, mm-hmm. right, those cases, I still am in some sense mm-hmm. showing a hardness of my heart yes. that ultimately... I should be trying to get rid of. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you got like, and this is why I wanted to talk about it because that's true. I I got this hardness of my heart that I'm not trying to get rid of, but we got preachers out here that's now making it like, okay to, and I've seen it more than once, which is the only reason why I thought it was something to, to bring up. Um, when you, so when you put that beautiful picture picture together of what God intended marriage to be, this beautiful display to the world um, of his love for his church, and then we do as the church, we as the church are just doing whatever with marriage. Like, so we are supposed to be entering into marriage, if not knowing anything else, knowing that marriage is Christ's. Uh, marriage is supposed to be something that mirrors God's love to for the church to the world. Okay, so we got that understanding. Does God just be like throwing the church away? Like I just, <laughs> I really be missing that part of like 
I, I see a story when I look at the Bible, I see this long story of this God who continuously pursues, 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 corrects, disciplines, punishes. I mean, all, but in all, even in the correction, that was still a form of pursuit. So then we stand and we make marriage so little. I mean, preachers saying like, yeah, we just literally what you said, we had we we had irreconcilable differences. Like we I I want y'all to know I didn't cheat. Almost making it seem like okay, it's 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 crazy how much of the enemy's plan it is because you literally are now taking the pulpit saying, I didn't do the one thing that the Bible says actually qualifies me for marriage. I mean for divorce. Right. And in this case, the person said that because they were trying to show that they were not disqualified for leadership. Yeah. For pastoral leadership inside the church. Yeah. And the other person I saw, he was just saying it because he was just walking his he was walking his um congregation through like two years after the divorce, why he did it and stuff. And he was just like, you know, there was no cheating, there was no infidelity. We just uh there were just some things we couldn't get past. So then there's that spiritual gymnastics that people have to do in the pulpit every Sunday to now prove that they are still who they said they were. Yeah. Cause when I, when I hear those things, I hear, you know, I hear us as Christians putting sins on different levels, mm -hmm. right? Trying to rationalize, <laughs> like I said, and minimize not only the effects of our decisions, but the, the error in our theology, yeah, I hear people not focused on the most important thing, which is the fact that you you weren't able to maintain your household, <laughs> right? And the hardness of your heart ultimately led to that, yeah, on both sides, mm -hmm. right? Then you have preachers getting in the pulpit, well, may not be intentionally, but unintentionally justifying divorce minimizing promoting. its effects, <laughs> yes. promoting it and ultimately normalizing it. Yeah. And I never want to get to a place where us as the church are in situations where we are not hurt, disappointed by divorce in any of our sisters and brothers yeah. to include those people who are called to lead us. All right. So that is, probably the most alarming thing to me is how the culture has shifted from one point in time, which also had its negative, uh, negative points of view mm -hmm. because yeah. people may have been <laughs> staying together, like you said, for the wrong reasons yeah, or staying together in situations which were not necessarily healthy, which of course an unhealthy marriage is a lot of times the things why people get divorced. Yes. <laughs> but I'm talking about like physically unsafe. Yeah. Right. So yeah. not saying that one time was better than the other, but I will say that the esteem and the high regard we hold for marriage cannot be lost. And whenever a divorce takes place in our midst, there needs to be reflection. There needs to be counseling and there needs to be a true understanding of the effects of divorce and the deeper spiritual spiritual impact of divorce. Yeah. 
the divorce itself and the reasons why that even led us to getting divorced. Yeah. Because even if it was under biblical grounds, once again, because of the hardness of our hearts, even under biblical grounds, there are still lessons to be learned in a chance or a pool from God for us to try to make it work. Yeah. That wasn't that certificate of divorce that was granted, right? That wasn't permission in an agreement <laughs> with divorce. Yeah. That was an allowance to protect us from ourselves. Yeah. Because man. that would have just been another thing that yeah. we could not do. Yep. But now that we have the Holy Spirit, this is something that we should try to do. Yeah. And we should rejoice yeah. and be glad in it. Yeah. I think when you really understand, like, I think for me, like, as I understand Christ's love for the church, it is a, it's a pursuing love. Um, it's, and it's, to me, it seems to be this pursuing love. I'll go through whatever for you. Um, I'll literally, and it's crazy because we be telling people like, you know, you're not worth me waiting five years for you. You're not worth me. You know, like I'm not, because essentially that's what you're saying. When you're saying these differences, these things, I, I deserve better because we're so we just we deserve the whole world now. So I deserve better is is kind of where where this mentality comes from. And it's like, but we believe that because of our sin, our savior had to go through something he didn't deserve at all. And that's it's crazy how when we look at how he had to go through that and it, it was the only thing that could uh, suffice and uh, repayment or re the remission of sin. You don't think marriage going to be hard? Like he had to do all that just to get us back in right standing with with a perfect God. Like he had to do all that to repair our broken relationship. And he is God repairing something he didn't break. So if we had the ability to break something so bad that that's how that was the payment that was needed. It's like, come on, you're marrying somebody who has that ability. We all have that ability. And the beautiful thing about I thought the beautiful thing about uh, the story of Christ is one that no matter how bad I break things, no matter how many times I break the same thing. He loves me like he's still pursuing me. He's still trying to get me to be in in right relationship with him. And it's like so we just be walking up to people saying, nah, you you know, I believe that Jesus, you know, he took those lashes for me. He did. all, And that's really great. I'm not doing that for you. All right. And then some people will say, well, even God got standards. He still got punishment. Right. We still got sin. Mm hmm. Right, and he's still gonna punish all those sins. Mm -hmm. Here's so you, the thing: that's your punishment, divorce. <laughs> and I would say this: you're right, and you got all the way up until you die. Yeah, man. Before you you see that punishment, <laughs> exactly. So just like you got all the way up until you died, man. your spouse should have all the way up until they die yeah. before they see that punishment. And it's a generational punishment. I think that's the thing where it's like. This is the one thing where you can, for me, because 
I've been, you know, generational is like a really weird word for me right now, but I think it's very clear just being around people who are in the middle of getting a divorce, how their kids see it, how their kids are being affected, whether they're grown or not. Um, of course, now having friends whose parents have divorced, um, being in that space of hearing the side of the kids, like, man, they don't get over that. Yeah. I don't care how old they are. Y'all were like, you got to think about it. And the older they get, the more they just start to believe y'all going to be together forever. The more, cause they're just so used to it. And so it's a huge heartbreak for your kids. I don't care how old you are. And then you got to think about it. They, they probably feel like they got to pick sides. Like, uh, it it creates that dynamic for everybody around y'all. Whether you want to acknowledge it or not, I, I've heard people say things like, no, we, you know, we didn't do that. Come on, everybody, once you get a divorce, everybody has to decide who they still going to be cool with. So it's like a, it's just a ripple effect of just sadness. And it's just not, I think we just doing it too much, like. It's like we get married now and it's like three years later, divorce. Or like somebody 40 years in getting a divorce. What is you going to do? How about, old are you? About to go find the happiness. <laughs> and here's another thing. I heard this this woman say this. She got she got a divorce because she won't happy. And, you know, I, this is when I knew I had matured because I used to say stuff like that. Like, I'm not happy, so I'm going to get a divorce. I understand that my happiness is my responsibility. Now, there are things that my spouse can or can't do to add to it. But if I make a statement like I wasn't happy, like, okay, that's not fully on another person. So you already coming, you coming off kind of toxic, like (laughs) (laughs) it's giving toxic (laughs) because it's. It's like, well, uh, you've kind of low-key making me feel good for the man. Because if you was making him responsible for your entire happiness, I mean, I'm pretty sure he was he was tired. And and you can go do whatever you want now. Because that's, I don't, and I know this might be harsh, but I just don't know in the Bible where it says that marriage was made to make anybody happy. Marriage wasn't made to make you happy. It was made to make you holy. <laughs> <laughs> like I, and that's the thing like how do you make somebody holy how do you do that what 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 has to happen for us to truly change marriage so in in some cases like and i think that's what the enemy understands which is why you know divorce is so popular which is why you know even we kind of created this podcast to kind of show like you can be young and you can be married uh because a lot of people tend to um not agree with that um but dang i lost my train of thought because of the phone call (laughs) do you remember what i was saying do you remember what (laughs) i was saying (laughs) phone call totally threw me off because i was like i'm gonna just cut it off but then it's like a random number so i looked at it but um dang oh no i can't remember but um, I don't know. So the back to the point, I I just believe that um, divorce is uh is devastating, and I think what's even more devastating is we now have people that's making it seem like it's okay. Like 
you know, where is the standard? Where is the uh, fight for the family? Like, and why do y'all be going to these people's churches? Like, I just don't understand. For me, I will honestly say, like, serving in church, all that, having a community, I appreciate all that. But y'all, we, I think we just, as it relates to community, we've given so much to other people, but our home is jacked up. Like, we idolize ministry. Here's my thing. When somebody has a baby, you take off time for work because there's a big change in the house. There's a new life. There's this difference. Somebody dies. We take off time from work. We grieve. So something has changed in the family drastically. And you in the pulpit. Like the fam, the family is breaking down. And I think that's the thing. Like we don't, we don't really, we don't value the family the way that we should. We don't value relationships the way that we should. God is a relational God. (laughs) How do we, how do we say that we are in right relationship with God while simultaneously throwing away the one relationship that we ourselves have outside of, you know, with what we, what we profess with our faith have said, basically I'm, I'm ride or die for you. Like to get to a place where it's like, I don't really, yeah, I'm done. Like completely. (laughs) Yeah. So it's really the hardness of the heart at the end of the day, God, God's always right. And in this yeah. in this case, I mean, he he called it as the hardness of our hearts. Yeah. And like you said, you know, I can't go to a church or the leadership in any way, shape, or form oh, yeah, yeah. minimizes. Yeah. Or tries to ignore the detrimental effects of divorce. Yes. Spiritually and physically on a church home. Yeah. And on the family itself. The family is the very foundation of society. And also, you know, in Genesis, when the first two people were made, that was the that's the first family. Yeah, y'all be people be forgetting that. It's like church this, church that. Yes, that's very important. Where is your family? Like Yeah, church is comp church is built (laughs) on the backs of families. Should be. I mean, it's so. Let y'all be out here preaching, tearing them up. Family is so important that <laughs> the Bible even lists a man's ability to manage his household is a qualification yeah, I was about for to leadership. Say, isn't it? Like, I was like, that's in that. Honestly, when I really started, that's, you know, it's another topic, but like, he was up there basically saying, you know, he wanted to defend his right to still be pastor. And I'm like, yeah, so you didn't like go sleep with nobody, but something is not being managed well at home. Like, but we you only believe that if you understand divorce to be what we understand it to be. Because I think to them, it's kind of just like, oh, okay, that relationship didn't work out. Like, okay, moving on. Now, this is, I think it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on this. Now, of course, in the cases of unbiblical divorce, 
right? I do believe that is a disqualification for being a pastor. Yes. What if you have a pastor in a case that has the biblical grounds for divorce? Their spouse cheated or their spouse abandoned them. Oh. Now, now, if the pastor is the person that cheated, you got more issues than just the divorce. (laughs) All right? You ain't got no self-control. I don't believe that disqualifies you. You can't. above reproach. Yeah, I don't I don't believe that just well, okay so if if we talking abandonment um all of that is still gonna be like i'm still gonna be looking at you like what's going on at your house bro <laughs> like dang the spouse abandoning you and abandonment and i would okay, say abandonment don't so even that's have what to I'm include saying. I, I need to understand the circumstances if if the first lady coming in for the past four weeks with her head down, not really talking to nobody. And then you walk up in there telling me something, yeah, man, she just left me. Okay, now, of course, That's what yeah, I'm we saying. Gotta I got to the know details the, of everything. I got I to know, like, I got to really know, like, what what the circumstances were. Okay. Because well, I'm going to still be, I'm going to be looking at you. Oh, your spouse left you? What kind of circus are you running at home? All right, well, let's say cases <laughs> where you know. <laughs> You know cases of marriages yeah, where you could legitimately that. see yeah. a spouse abandoning a yeah, spouse that was I mean, faithful, that. working hard, but they just the person they yeah. married just was not gonna cooperate and they yeah. just was gonna leave. Yeah, and I seen that. It's crazy you say that. This pastor, it was his fifteenth anniversary or something like that, where his wife just left him. I mean, she just gone. So he but he was still pastoring. I totally believe that, especially if you don't lose your I do. I still think like you need a break. Like that's that's crazy, that's devastating. Like take care of yourself. But after you take care of yourself and really process what happened, if you still want to be a pastor, that's great. You're living the gospel now, like for real, for real. Because there's nothing you can do. It's out of your control. You gotta uncooperative spouse. Right. Like it's <laughs> it's nothing you can do. So in situations like that, I don't think that that. Because it's literally you have exhausted every option. Now, what if you got the case? You got a pastor whose spouse committed infidelity, and they got a divorce. Now, of course, we know it's biblical, but then again, right? It is, but I'm gonna be looking at you sideways on the backdrop of yeah, because no, you still could have you could have forgiven this person. Honestly, if if reconciliation is not like a knee jerk reaction, I'm gonna be looking at you sideways, like. Because then it kind of just firmly says, hey, you do this and I'm not ever going to like this is over. Like I and and that's yeah, I'm still going to be kind of looking at you sideways like that's fair. You would look at them sideways, yeah. but you wouldn't be the person declaring like, yeah, you disqualify. You need to step down. N- no, no, because you have biblical grounds. But I would be the person that probably would leave because you, I believe the other scripture where it's like, okay, the hardness of your heart. Like, can we address that? I would, I would be the member yeah. that would at least bring it up. Like, no, that's fair. You do have the right to leave. And um, that goes to anybody. Like, if it's some sort of disagreement between you and the pastor. Yeah. You yeah, got the right to leave yeah. the church and go to a different church. Yeah. That ain't. That ain't no problem. Yeah. And I don't want people to think that my my expectation of a pastor is perfection. But just the same way, you know, I would want my doctors and different things to really present themselves a certain way. Like, I wouldn't want to go to no doctor who ain't wearing their clothes right and things like that. Like, 
It's the same way with my pastor. Like, and only because the Bible says it. The Bible says I didn't make this up. <laughs> I didn't. Nope. Like, and and I'm I'm so past. Like in a sense, and so especially when it comes to a pastor, I done been through so much because I chose churches where pastors probably didn't meet the qualifications. I didn't even know there was qualifications in the book. I was going by the qualifications of the church, what oh, the church had. Should have read the <laughs> like, book. I didn't look. Let me tell you. Read your book. And underst- I had to understand. This is what I had to understand. The qualifications are non-negotiables. I went to churches where they were negotiables. They're non-negotiables. Why? Because God said they are. And that's where I stand with it. So this is not my standard. I'm not coming up saying, oh, my pastor got to do this because I feel like, no, I'm saying my pastor got to do this because literally the Bible says that this is what he should do. Right. Christ is head of the church, not (laughs) the pastor. Right. Like, and this is what the head of the church said that the pastors should do the same way, you know, the apostles submitted to, to Christ. He left some of those instructions, you know, it's like the Bible, but you know, when you start throwing (laughs) out the Bible, it's like, Oh, you're just, you, you know, I can hear it now. Like you're just, you're just hard. You're just, you're just rigid. You're just, uh, that's that Pharisee. You're throwing stones. What if you went through? And I know, here's the thing. If I went through it, then I'm disqualified. <laughs> right. Like, and I think here's the thing. Don't turn this into, because I've seen it on like posts where you start praying on the downfall of someone because they had the audacity to speak on something that we all should find. Like the, when the Bible um, talks about Jesus weeping, I think this would be another <laughs> space where he would weep because it's, it's, it's his <laughs> it's supposed to be especially if we this is what i'm saying because i and i it's sad i gotta keep saying this especially if we're christians <laughs> like if we believe what the bible says because i don't saying you're christian nowadays it just could mean anything <laughs> yeah <laughs> like you gotta really get down if, to the nitty-gritty if we believe what the bible says this should be something that we handle with care not the ring not the wedding, not the in-laws, the marriage. And who is in that marriage? Two people, like each other, this. And then it becomes our kids, our family. This is what we should handle with care. This is what we should protect. God didn't say, I hate uh churches being broken down i hate uh when a member leaves one church and goes to another he said i hate when the family breaks up and if we being honest we hate more when the church break up than when the family break up and that's a problem the family is the foundation everything else is built off the family so we got to get back to that. So if you got a fractured family, you're going to have a fractured church. Man. But, you know. Then you we, get, then you get t- people like TDJs. You know how we going to do it. <laughs> you make yourself a target, man. When you aren't going to follow God, when you aren't going to follow the Bible, you make yourself a target for churches and communities that have decided they've made up their own rules about how this thing is supposed to go and you end up getting wrapped 
up in whatever that is. Here is an easy way to not get wrapped up in it. You about to join the church. You want to know because we've moved. We got to go through the same process. Look at the Bible, man. We be making stuff hard. Oh, you've got to have discernment. I can give you a, 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 a one hour training on discernment. I could tell you how to know if you at the right church. I can too. Let me break out. What is it like Titus or something like that? Like <laughs> where he got the quality uh, acts. No, it's not acts. It's no, Titus. It's Timothy. Oh, Titus. it's in Titus too, but also. Yeah. yeah. I could. We could break that up right now. That's all the discernment you need. Boom. We done. You could go into acts to see church uh, formation too. I mean, just break yeah. out the Bible. Read your Bible. Specifically the New Testament. It's right there. We'd be making it hard or trying Too to make hard. it like if I say like if I went to if I was a member of that man's church, I just want you to know I would no longer be a member of that man's church and not because he offended me. But I feel like he offended God, like because anytime you do something that's contrary to the will of God, I mean, it, isn't it a sin? Like or do we not believe that? Is that too harsh to say? And why is it not harsh? Why is it not Pharisaic for me to say that? Because guess what? Everybody lives by whatever they believe. I believe in the Bible. Like, I believe in what it say. And so I'm not about to sit here and do all this. Oh, but but he didn't this or he didn't. I'm not about to debate you on all the semantics of the situation. That's how we get messed up. Don't we all just want to be like Christ? Maybe I don't understand every part of the Bible. Maybe to me, some parts like when I'm looking at, I'm going to be honest. So just going, just looking at the list, maybe something I hadn't thought about uh, before. It says uh, a pastor must have financial integrity. Like how does the person, have you ever thought about how your pastor handle money? Like. Like y'all pastors be having like criminal records. Like this pastor's out here stealing from <laughs> like, my church. Like, like, do you, you know, a pastor must be peaceful, not violent. Like, how does your pastor handle conflict? Like, what 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 do these things look like? Like, pastor's children must be in submission, though not perfect. Like if a man does not know how to manage his own family. So that's going right back into like, I'm going to be honest with you. That's not things I looked at when I was looking for a pastor. I looked at how they preached the word of God and how it made me feel when they did it. And most of the time, honestly, I, I, I can't even tell you what they was talking about. Yeah, it's crazy out there. But now I see, I see the light. Let's follow the Bible. Let's follow the Bible, people. And everything. Divorce. Finding a church home. Sass. All yeah. All that. Let's <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. let's 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 follow let's, let's, let's Sex. But your here's money, here's like, the your thing. Money. <laughs> yes, money. Like let's follow the Bible. Here's the thing too. Let's challenge ourselves to be better educated in these areas. What does the Bible say about it? Like we sit around and we listen to all these people and we we jump in from this to that. But what does the book say? Like, what what does the book say about anything you're doing? Because that's all we really talking about. When you think about marriage, when you think about 
sex, when you think about uh, money, money, what does God say about it? Think about raising your kids. Right. Right. How you how the Bible It's all in there. It's all in the Bible. How you raise them kids. Like, what does the Bible say about it? And stop, you know. Stop trying to find what was already there. I know it don't seem like, and I think that's the thing, because I became that person where it's like, you want the, the next big service or whatever, or the next big twist on the word. No, the word of God on its own is sufficient, the way that it is. Amen. But yeah. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, people, divorce is bad. God hates it. God hates divorce. Don't get comfortable with divorce. Please don't. All right. Just That's because you got divorced, you're right. That doesn't mean you're not a Christian no more. Yes. No. What we're not going to do is act like divorce is not a sin. Please. Simple. That's all. And pray for us. Pray for us, and we'll pray for people who have gotten divorced. So ultimately, as no, nah, divorce is one of the hardest things you ever go through in life. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. With that said, people, I was your host, Benjamin Atkins. And I was accompanied mm-hmm. by my lovely wife, Takia Atkins. And this was the Atkins Family Podcast. We'll see you next time, folks.